0: You have heard her on Oprah's Soul Series.
1: It takes a fearless spirit to live in the mystery.
0: Now it's your turn to talk to spiritual adventurer and author Elizabeth Lesser. For your questions and comments on a new earth, please call 866 oprah xm now. That's 866 oprah xm 866-677-2496. Now live on Oprah and Friends, it's Elizabeth Lesser.
1: Hi. And welcome to Oprah and Friends, XM Radio, and to this special companion program to Oprah and Eckhart's really amazing online classroom that gathers each week, Monday nights, around Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth. Uh, We just listened to Chapter 3, Oprah and Eckhart speaking, and it was phenomenal, like all the other two have been, and this is a call-in program designed exclusively for you, the Oprah and Friends listener, to continue this dialogue that's been going on now for the past two weeks. I'm Elizabeth Lesser. I'm your host of this program. I'm the co-founder of Omega Institute, which is America's largest retreat and conference center that's dedicated to uh, presenting teachers like Eckhart Tolle and hundreds more that are helping people awaken to their Clearer selves within and to help change the earth. I'm also the author of The Seeker's Guide and of Broken Open How Difficult Times Can Help Us Grow. And I've had this amazing honor over the last several months. I've been working hand in hand with Eckhart Tolle and Oprah, devising the curriculum for this 10 week internet webcast and this worldwide classroom. And now I'm going to invite you to call me with any questions you may have regarding a new earth, regarding Chapter 3, which many of you might have just heard, the webcast on XM Radio. Uh, You can call me about that. You can call me about anything that might be puzzling you about the book or something you want to learn how to implement it into your life and just become part of this New Earth dialogue. It's been incredibly exciting to me that more than 2 million people all over the world have been calling in and talking with Oprah, and more than 4 million people have been reading the book. All at the same time, it's uh, very hopeful that together we're creating a new earth, as Eckhart says. This book isn't just another spiritual book or another self-help book. What makes it different is that it's about how through our own transformation, how taking responsibility for changing our inner life, we can actually change the world. And this is why I think so many people are tuning into this. The essence of Eckhart's book is about the ego. Each one of us has an ego that obscures our deeper self and keeps us from living fully and from being loving, full participants in life. Here's a little clip from earlier this evening, when Eckhart and Oprah were speaking, uh, the way he describes basically what the new earth is about. Let's let's play that clip.
2: Ultimately, the ego, sooner or later, and usually sooner, always produces some form of suffering. So it's really transcending the ego, going beyond the ego. At the same time, means going beyond this unconscious urge to generate more and more suffering, both in people's personal lives as well as collectively.
1: So, Chapter 3 takes off from this idea that we create pain in our lives because we relate to ourselves as our ego. And Chapter 3 takes off on that by saying one of the great strategies the ego has to stay in control of our lives is to complain. I'm sure you all can relate to this. Uh, When I first started this project, I began to read the book with my husband. And when we got to Chapter 3, and Eckhart was talking about how complaining is a strategy of the ego, my husband was very excited about that because I'm a big complainer. I've actually stopped complaining a lot everywhere else in life, but you know how our worst self, generally shows up with the people we love the most. So um, this has helped me enormously in my relationship to understand how my complaining is not serving me. I, I, and most of us humans, think that if we complain enough, maybe the person will change. Maybe the experience will change. But I don't know if you've noticed in your own life, complaining doesn't help. Here's another clip I wanted you to hear from Eckhart Tolle talking about, with Oprah, about complaining.
2: First of all, the complaining that we are talking about mainly here, the egoic complaining, most of that fulfills no real purpose because mm-hmm. it's not meant to bring about change in any situation. Yeah. Okay, that's so, complaining and resentment complaining. Yes, it, that, and a lot of it for many people happens only in the head. Sometimes right. they verbalize it also, but a lot of the complaining happens in the head alone. But no matter whether they verbalize it or whether the complaining happens in the head alone, the ego is attempting to make somebody wrong. A personal element comes into it, and there's a negativity that flows into to it. To
3: make somebody wrong because my soup is
2: cold. Yes. They, Damn it. That's right. Yeah. You're personalizing it, mm-hmm. and so you're making a, another person almost, one could say, into an enemy. And so you, there is a way of complaining. I wouldn't even perhaps call it complaining, of simply stating what the situation is. Stating the is, facts. Yes, without the negativity that flows into it when the ego does it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's that's been so helpful to me in my life and in my relationship to understand that complaining usually does not serve any perso- purpose except keeping me alienated from the very person I'm trying to relate to. We have Carrie on the phone now. Thanks for calling in, Carrie. Welcome to the New Earth After Show. Have you been enjoying the webcast as much as I have?
0: It's been wonderful, yes. I love it. Great. So what's your question? My question is this. Um, if I have someone in my life who is very toxic, negative, and hurtful. Now, I realize that this person is... Acting out uh, from their ego. I also realize that my being hurt by this is my ego. Um, but by choosing not to have this toxic relationship in my life, is that not also my ego? Mm. And how do I, you know, live in integrity and stay on my path and reconcile this with my, within myself?
1: That is a great question, and it's a question that many people are asking. I, there's so much pain around this particular question. When I was um, in my first marriage, I think I spent about two years in the hamster wheel of that question, uh, is wanting to leave part of my ego just not being aware enough to really be in a loving relationship with another person. Um, so when you say that this is a really, um, dysfunctional relationship and you're being hurt by this person, um, are you aware enough in those moments? Are you able to, uh, be unreactive enough in those moments ever to really truthfully see what's going on? Can you ever really get to a place with this person where you can actually, no, for sure, you know this really is a toxic person, and I shouldn't be with him. Have you ever really gotten to a place where you've felt that you've clearly been able to see this?:
0: Oh yes, and you know i've I've since decided not to have this person in my life um, but it, and it's been a lot easier to see that person in a different light mm-hmm. now that I don't have to deal with it every day.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, by um, by becoming conscious, by becoming aware of our ego, by becoming unreactive, does not necessarily mean that we never make a decision to leave a difficult situation. People often misunderstand this work. They think, if I become aware of my ego, if I actually transcend my ego, I'll just sit around under a tree all day and never make any decisions. That's not (laughs) the way it works. In fact, it works in the opposite way. When you can um, be unreactive with a Um, super reactive ego a person who actually is toxic you usually can move through difficult relationships more quickly and make wise and healthy decisions more quickly quickly so it sounds to me like um, in a way you've answered your own question by leaving but not turning that person into an enemy you can leave and not make another person an enemy
0: okay okay that, that's good to know. I've, I've just been struggling with that uh, mm-hmm. a lot, and I just, you know, wanted to hear somebody else say it. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Um, good luck with that. Thank you thank for you. calling. Oh, and thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, goodbye. Another uh, favorite passage of mine um, in uh, Chapter 3, I want to read it to you. It's um, a lot like what Carrie was just talking about. Um This is the part of the book where Eckhart's talking about reactivity and non-reactivity. He says, Non-reaction to the ego in others is one of the most effective ways, not only of going beyond ego in yourself, but also of dissolving the collective human ego. By not reacting to the ego, you will often be able to bring out the sanity in others. I have really... um, found that to be true in my own life. I I see it a lot at work. I'll be in a meeting and someone is acting uh, from their ego, trying to be right, trying to make other people's wrong. And if I or others start reacting to that person from my own ego, it just escalates into uh, the equivalent of warfare. There's a beautiful part of a Rumi poem, the great Persian mystical poet, he says, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and doing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. This is what Eckhart's talking about, meeting in this field of non-reactivity. And it really can almost be like a miracle. If you don't join another person in an egoic state, you can actually help bring that person into a less ego state by coming to meet him or her from your higher self. Um, let's take, uh, you're listening to A New Earth After Show. Please call me at 866 Oprah xm That's 866-677-2496. And thank you for calling. Um w- Mizal is on the line, and um, how are you enjoying the uh, show? I'm enjoying it a lot. It's, it's wonderful. And what's your um, question?
4: Well, um, it might sound a little strange, but um, when I was reading the book, there was one point where um, he mentions, you know, thinking about your thoughts and understanding that you're not your thoughts because you can think about your thoughts. And um, something happened, and I think I had a weird experience where I just felt maybe a little bit out of my body, um, and it really frightened me. And I was just wondering if that's a normal occurrence. Um, I, I don't, I didn't know if it was, and it was a little frightening, to be mm-hmm.
1: honest. That can be a normal experience, and um, if when that happens the next time, uh You, first of all, can work with your fear by just being with the experience and not attaching any fearful label to it. And another way to deal with that is to bring your attention into your body. I don't know if you've been reading the book, but in a previous chapter, Eckhart talks about the inner body, that Mm -hmm. uh, part of you that is vibrantly alive in your body. So the witness part that you are experiencing, you had an experience, what we call the witness. You experienced the part of you that actually watches yourself. That's, you left your ego behind for a moment. And if that's not something you're used to doing, it can be really disorienting. So first of all, it's good news. It means you're doing the work. That's great. You should give yourself some applause and a pat on the back. But if you get scared, a good way to deal with it is to bring that witness actually into your body by concentrating on the vibrant alive energy in your hands, in the rest of your body, and don't fear what's happening, just be aware of it and know you're on the right track. I'm I'm excited for you. That's great. Thank you. Well, I think um, if I can
4: just ask something a little further along that line, is that okay? Sure. Um, I just wanted to know, because afterwards, after the experience, I kind of felt like um, I didn't want to know that everything wasn't as real as I had allowed myself to believe it was my whole life, and, mm-hmm. in the way, I think that that was where the fear lies, yes. Yeah. and that maybe I don't want to know that it's all the ego. Yeah, I was well, wondering.
1: yeah that, that's exactly what the ego does. The ego does not want to know. The ego doesn't want to wake up. Usually that means perhaps there'd be some changes you'd have to make. If you really got in touch with that deep, quiet, eternal place within you, you'd begin to have a lot of clarity about your life, and perhaps you would um, want to make some big changes. Uh, does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Great. Thank you so much. Well, someone just walked in the room with me. It's um, Oprah Winfrey, host someone, of a New Earth webcast. Someone,
3: someone did. She's here with me. Yeah, came across the street. It's cold out there still, man. How are you?
1: I'm wonderful. I'm so Good. happy to be here. That was such a great chapter tonight. I thought both of you were... Completely-
3: did you? I'm feeling... I, I can't tell whether... Uh, I have to look at it. I can't tell whether... It felt a little esoteric at times.
1: I thought you... We were really on tonight. Did you? I did. I thought you were, um, help, kept help bringing it back. Yeah. Yeah. I well, thought I you kept were. kept trying to
3: center, center it, bring it to a place where it was, uh, uh, you know, understandable well, for well, people. Well, that was helpful. Yeah. That was helpful. Okay. So you didn't think it was really too esoteric? You didn't.
1: Well, you may be asking the wrong girl here. Oh, yeah, because
3: you kind of get it. <laughs> right.
1: No, because I love I love, I love, love kind of like pushing myself to try to understand, to understand it. the next levels. I kept wondering,
3: though, whether or not I was holding on to uh, the rest of the people who were also having conceptually a hard time trying to stay with us. So I wasn't quite sure.
1: You were helping me. Uh several, I had several aha moments during it through did you? some of your conversations. You did? Okay. Good. Yeah. So I, means... I thought it was good. Okay. Yeah. And uh I loved what you said today about fame and how it has impacted you. That was one of those moments where I bet a lot of people had an aha. Let's play that clip.
3: Uh how do I manage to keep everything so grounded I believe that I'm not attached to the fame. I I don't know that to be true, since I have been, quote, famous for most of my adult life, but I believe that what I do comes from such a, you know, I consider myself blessed, and I'm blessed because I have acquired fame and attention and money by being myself.
2: That's it. it. You don't play roles.
3: Yeah, it's not, I don't have to be anybody other than myself,
2: and so... And that's very rare on television. Almost everybody is playing a role. Right. And your success is success is due to the fact that you are yourself. Right. You're the same person outside television as you are here.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. As after it's, uh, uh, Eckhart was saying to me uh, after we just finished taping, he said, "You know that story you told about Canada? That's a very funny story because that's like you know getting a glimpse of your." ego. That's like separating yourself, that moment where you get a glimpse of yourself as an anchor person. And I said to him, what I didn't say on, on, on the show tonight was that uh, on the webcast tonight was that what I really was up until that moment, I was playing the role of anchor woman. I was pretending in my head to be Barbara Walters. I've said this to Barbara Walters many times that for the first year or so, I was pretending to be Barbara Walters. And then one night I was reading this copy. I hadn't pre-read the copy because I always liked uh, hearing the news I thought I should be spontaneous and hear at the same time the audience is hearing it. What a crazy idea! And uh, so I hadn't pre-read the copy, and I was going through a list of all of these different countries and rolling my Rs for Romania and <laughs> Yugoslavia and Canada. <laughs> and I realized that was Canada. And that moment, I, of of laughing and being able to be myself was a breakthrough moment that mm-hmm. I didn't. I could no longer. Pre- I was no longer pretending to be Barbara. Mm-hmm. And it worked so well for me that I, g- I had um, fewer and fewer moments of pretending mm-hmm. to be Barbara and more uh, myself, and that's how yeah. I ended up getting paid to be be myself. But
1: and uh, isn't it just such a strange human trait that we don't all be ourselves? Yeah. If someone from another planet might look and Look, it would look like a Halloween party here. Everybody's wearing masks, trying to pretend to be someone else. Right. This is what, to quote Rumi again, the great yes. poet, he calls this the open secret. Mm. We all go around protecting this secret from each other. And this secret is, I'm just me. I wake up scared sometimes. I'm just a human being. We we don't want to show that to the world. Mm-hmm. So we try to pretend we're someone else. We wear all these masks. The open secret, the joke part about it is that we're all protecting the same humanness. It's almost as if we're embarrassed to be human. So when someone like yourself shows up on national television as a human being, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is like such a gift.
3: Well, you know, that question sort of threw me because I I was expecting, actually, that the person standing there was going to have a question for Eckhart Tolle. And so when she said the thing about fame, and then so I was fumbling around. But listen, I don't want to take time away any more time away from your uh callers. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
3: well, good we because because I to... just stopped by to see how you were doing in your second voyage here on the air. I see you're doing okay.
1: I'm doing okay. Let's let's see what Jeannie has to say. Welcome to a new earth after show with me, Elizabeth Lesser, and Oprah Winfrey. Hi, hi, how are you? I'm great. What's your question? Um, my question is, I guess.
4: I need to slow down on the book, but I'm not sure. Because I feel like I'm overwhelmed with so many tools that, you know, where do you begin? I feel like I'm just overwhelmed with everything right now.
3: And um, are you talking about the book, Jeannie?
4: Yes, I am. Uh Because I'm on Chapter 5. I've been reading a little bit ahead. Uh And, you know, I really got into it in Chapter 3. Chapter 4 was just unbelievable. And then, again, I'm relating to a lot of things in Chapter 5, and it's like, you know, I keep going back and looking at certain sections of it, of all the chapters, and really putting more thought into it and trying to find a, a beginning because there's so many things I can relate to.
1: Well, uh, overwhelm, overwhelm is um, often a great message, a great message to you to say, I think I'll go back and just read Chapter 2 again, and I think I'll spend the next month reading three pages every day of Chapter 2 and putting into practice, and until you have metabolized it fully enough so that it's really becoming a part of your life. If you're feeling overwhelmed by, oh, now I have to learn what the pain body means, I didn't even figure out how to do the rolls, slow down. There's nothing wrong with slowing down. It doesn't mean you're not getting it. It doesn't mean you're advanced enough. Eckhart Tolle himself spent several years writing this book so I would suggest take it slow and overwhelm is a terrific message telling you to slow down. Oprah do you want to say anything? Uh, Well I would also say that having read the book
3: now I'm on my third read of the book it can be overwhelming it really can You know, not just for you and I think for myself also, because it's so much information, and now I have to be this way, and oh, I have to be aware of that. And have to, I think that the most significant thing that I've gathered from this book, and I think what Eckhart is encouraging us is to be able to, is what I said tonight, I can't remember what page it was, is being aware of the presence or the sense of formless being that is always there, observing the thoughts if you can just now just get to the point where you just do that just do one thing just start to quiet the voice in your head and be more present Mm -hmm. that's all you really have to do and if you do that more the more you practice that just being present now whatever is going on being present now not allowing your thoughts to overrule like, oh, now I got to do this and I should do that and I should be doing that and I shouldn't be thinking about that. Just being aware that, oh, I'm now in the should, so oh, there's my ego again. There I go again telling myself what I should be doing instead of being present now. Yeah. that That's very helpful. And, and the being present now almost solves every problem. Absolutely. It solves each, everything. Each
1: chapter, I think, is just a different way. Eckhart tried to... Approach different people, like maybe the person with a pain body will get this chapter. But every message in the book leads right back, back to, to what Oprah thing. was yes. saying:
3: being present now.
1: Find a chapter that's really speaking to you and stay with that for a while. Does that help? Yes,
0: it does. Thank you. All yeah, right. don't,
3: don't, don't. And yeah, being overwhelmed is is being in your ego because it's saying I should be getting it or I should be doing this or I'm not getting it yet or it's too much for me. Again, that's your ego. So yeah. just be present now. Observe that. Observe that. That's what your, your mind, your thoughts are telling you, and be present now.
1: Um, I found a certain uh, part tonight about that subject really helpful. It was a clip that, um, Eckhart, and you were talking about worry. Let's yeah, play it struck that. struck me too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Worry pretends to be necessary. You have to see very clearly... Worry
3: pretends to be necessary. necessary. Oh, I got that. You
2: have to see that it serves no useful purpose.
3: Yeah. Worry pretends to be necessary, but serves no useful purpose. And
2: and so once you see that it serves no useful purpose, you can sometimes be maybe able to step out of that and see, oh. And then become present.
3: Yeah. You can become present. If you can step out of the worry for a moment, you can become present enough to say... What can I do now? Yes. How can I be now in this moment yes. right. for myself, for my sister, or for whatever it is you need? Yes.
1: And you can, um, f- instead of worry, you can put the word overwhelm. You could put the word anger. You could put the word frustration. Most of those Very emotions, good, Very good, serve no purpose. Yeah, they're hard to get out of, but understanding that concept that most of what's going on in our mind especially the negative stuff pretends to
3: be necessary
1: pretends to be necessary yeah and 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 tricks us
3: well you can always tell for, for when you're listening I you can always tell for me when I'm processing it when you know when I repeat it and then I repeat it again and then I say it out loud I'm trying to process it you know so that struck me as it struck you too yeah yeah
1: yeah it it's um Most of what's going on in our mind every single minute is unnecessary, Right. especially the negative. And so uh, when you're hearing negative thoughts, you can just very quietly and graciously escort them out and say, I don't think you're that necessary right now. (laughs) Bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. So thank you so much for joining us on A New Earth After Show. And please tune in the same time next Monday when we'll be recapping the webcast dialogue between oh, Oprah and Next week is really fantastic because
3: it's role-playing. Role-playing.
0: You've been listening to an encore presentation of A New Earth After Show with Elizabeth Lesser. You can talk live to Elizabeth on Monday evenings at 10.30 in the East. Next week, it's Chapter 4 of A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose, an exclusive presentation of Oprah and Friends.